0: welcome to trends with benefits real estate investing with dale creed francis and ryan litvin we strive to bring an open honest and transparent approach to real estate investing by informing and educating listeners about the real world benefits issues and challenges investors need to know when it comes to direct participation real estate this podcast is where you can learn the latest trends innovations and opportunities available to help build wealth create income and diversify your portfolio. So get ready for another informative, fast-paced, and entertaining episode of Trends with Benefits. I'm Dale Creek Francis along with Ryan Litvin. Glad to have you with us. This is part two of our three-part series on real estate trends with benefits. And part one, if you missed that, and you can go back and listen to it. That is focused on the statistics, the demographics, the, the data surrounding the why. Why why do we do what we do? And wh- what do we see coming in the future? This one, this part two is about the real estate indirect participation real estate. And we'll talk about uh, what that means and how that's different. And I'll start off with a quote from... Joseph Segla, he's a CPA, and he's also the controller at the Vincent Companies. Here's what Joe said. I think people know or certainly recognize that they need to invest in real estate, but don't really know how to make it happen. They don't know how to truly access real estate. The barriers of entry have either blocked or confused them. He goes on to to say, Wall Street has contributed to these problems. They saw an opportunity for themselves and came along with real estate mutual funds and REITs. It misled investors to believe, well, that must be the real estate I've been hearing about that builds wealth. It's not. He's he. His final statement is, first and foremost, people have to understand the difference between owning actual real estate and owning shares in a mutual fund or a REIT, or they'll never get it.
1: Well, and that comes from Joe, who is our controller, has been with us a couple of years now. Uh, phenomenal asset uh, addition to to our company. And that comes from him after being, you know, he's a, he's a CPA, uh, came from doing CPA work from another firm when he came over to us. And when he was talking with me recently, he had said prior to this, he had only known mutual funds and REITs and thought, hey, I'm gonna allocate my money to this, to sure. the mutual fund to this. So this comes firsthand from his knowledge of doing a lot of the books and everything on real estate things um over the last couple of years from someone that wasn't aware. And that's why we do these different this three part series podcast and every podcast that we do and we do what we do and and let people know we're doing it because it's a way to directly invest in a specific hard asset. That, in my opinion, the reason I do it is it's more controlled. It's more, hmm. you, you know, you you know the asset, you know the specific risks and rewards, uh, potential risks and rewards surrounding that particular project. Yeah, it's not just a,
0: a paper asset that and those tend to move together. And here's a stat. Talk about uh, part one was about stats, but there can be some stats in this part, too, as well. Financial Planning Magazine came out and said that 64% of accredited investors now are investing by using direct uh, investing or private placements. And so that's really what we're talking about with DPRE. So back to the most people understand they should invest in real estate, whether it's for passive income or higher returns or diversification of their portfolio or inflation protection. But how to invest in real estate can really be the challenge because REIT investors own shares in a company. REIT investors do not own any real estate. That's that's just a reality. DPRE investors own actual real estate.
1: DPRE standing for direct participation real estate. And look, any commercial property can serve as a direct real estate or a direct participation real estate investment. We want to get into specific assets that we believe that demographic, economic, local trends, that they favor the growth and income potential of specific assets. And those two assets for many years now has been senior living communities and apartment buildings, Mm -hmm. market rate apartment buildings. You're not high-end Butler stuff, but how do you get into that apartment building uh, with a cost structure, an economic structure that makes sense? so that you can thrive and still, well, sustain and potentially thrive through an economic downturn. Because many of these asset classes within the real estate asset class, we see more as uh, demographically driven rather than economically driven. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And apartment building, too, that
0: that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. We're talking more like commercial sized real estate here. Let me explain what that means. 100 to
1: 200 units.
0: Typically, uh, I mean, it could even be as low as maybe 70. But really, when you're talking about getting into that, that sweet spot, you know, we believe the residential real estate sweet spot falls between the small fix and flip properties like the mom and pop stuff and the large institutional properties, the real big, big stuff. So because smaller properties face an economies of scale hurdle. You know, their small size can squeeze margins and equity seeps even during short vacancies. Large institutional properties, they can overcome the economies of scale hurdle, but they work better in the more densely populated urban areas. So what we like to talk about is that sub-institutional, that mid-size choice that affords economies of scale, complements neighbor, uh, you know, the neighboring suburban architecture and serves most residents better than the alternatives. And for us, that seems to fall into, at least at this period of time, about that twenty million to $50 million build. And, and for our suburban areas in the upper Midwest where we primarily operate, why wouldn't we? It's, Marcus and Milchap said it's the number one in the country to do it. We believe this size presents greater opportunities for better risk-adjusted returns. And these are IRA account eligible.
1: Yeah, they are. And you said, Dale, you referenced the Marcus and Millichap report, kind of as if it was common knowledge. Now, if you didn't listen to the first podcast, we discussed that report. But they uh, came out with Minnesota having the tightest vacancy rates in the nation. And if you want that data, you want that information, or you want an evidence-based investing report with sources and facts on demographics surrounding real estate, go to vincentcompaniesmn.com, go to the podcast page, uh, reach out to us. You can listen to the other podcasts there, but request that information. Uh, And I haven't given this out, but if you do want to call us, just call us. 612-424-8650, 612-424-8650. If you want to get a live person, a living, breathing being. Organism. Organism, <laughs> trying to play this up more, <laughs> more than I should. No, but uh, you can go to any one of those sites. Just request the information; yeah. we'll get it to you. So, back to the point of the real
0: estate that's in direct participation in real estate. So, not paper assets like REITs. D P R E investments are not a blind pool fund like a real estate investment trust or a REIT, which they may invest in everything from mortgage-backed securities to real estate brokerage firms. So we per- believe, again, that proverbial sweet spot for DPRE is that midsize sub-institutional assets. You go look at what DPRE is being said out there uh, about it from J.P. Morgan Chase. They did a report that came out and said this. The title of it was Real Estate Alternative No More. Why? Because here's what they said. Real estate, when directly invested in. Now, that's not your REITs is no longer considered an alt. They said in reality, portfolios focused on just stocks and bonds force investors to either accept lower returns or increase risk. They said that's why real estate is no longer viewed as an alternative, but as an essential portfolio component. In my opinion, probably why 64% of accredited investors now use direct investing.
1: Absolutely. And it, it allows for precise allocation to specific properties. It's not a REIT. You can use IRA accounts, you can use cash, which if you use non-retirement accounts and you it works for your individual situation, none of this is tax advice, but um, you can potentially use the depreciation, which is a benefit mm-hmm. to using or to investing and in being active or even passive sometimes in uh, real estate, direct participation real estate. It's important to do your due diligence. You know, there's a lot of industry jargon out there. You hear of IRR and RAR and ROI mm-hmm. and all these different acronyms that maybe make somebody sound pitching a deal to you, much more intelligent, educated than they really are. Break it down. Ask the tough questions. Look at the things. That's what's important. Make sure it's right for you. All of that information is important that you need that transparency and when you've got an established sponsor and you've got somebody with the industry history, that way you can, you know, have a better sense of—I don't—I would say comfort. You'd have a better sense of clarity and transparency, uh, and all of those things. And that's what you know the banks look at. So pretend you're a bank. Pretend you're doing the due diligence and that hey, am I going to get paid on this deal? And I think you'll find it very advantageous towards the investor, uh, being that the way these direct participation real estate investments are offered and structured, they're not just being pitched, right? Like, like you and I are very involved. We're developers, we own and operate. 26 years in the business I've been doing this. So I've seen a lot. And we're not, and that's where we're not pitching somebody else's product, right? Right. (laughs) These are, um, these are direct participation real estate that we and co-invest and we sign on the debt and we take a lot of risk on why do we do that and why do we work with investors on this? It allows us to do more. It benefits them. It benefits us. It's a win-win. Plus, the relationships are great, too, and the get-togethers and things where you actually get to go to a hard asset and look at what we have all participated in. It's just it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you look at,
0: again, those unprecedented demographic trends and which we've previously mentioned in part one of this series, those research trends and economic factors, they present a strong argument for real estate investments located in counties surrounding the Twin Cities. Back to that Marcus and Milichap, uh report study, number one in the country. So this area might offer the best locations for residential real estate investments in the entire United States. Well, I've done real estate in many other states, but for the last several years, I haven't been excited to go outside of this this area because it's so good. So you look at you know densely populated areas adjacent to this area, notably Hennepin and Ramsey counties. They bring with them higher costs and more competition, which in turn can squeeze margins. We believe seniors and aging millennials will continue relocating to the suburban counties so demand, in our opinion, can be best served in those counties.
1: Now you mentioned something about it being strong, and it is in the nation, and it's the best place to be. That is all you know, facts according to Marcus and Millichap. You still got to work with the right people. Mm-hmm. You still got to be into the deal correctly mm-hmm. to make the best return that you can. You've got to trust your sponsor. You've got to trust the people that are doing it. You've got you've to see the history. You've got to see the numbers, the backbone. What's the risk they're taking? You know, what's the risk Absolutely. we're taking? That's where transparency is key. So you can have a great market. And everybody th- knows, I, I think, um, everybody knows real estate can be very, very good. And that's how you build long-term wealth and all these things, Right but you still have to do it right. You still have to do your due diligence. You still, we have to do our due diligence. We uh, have to look at specific areas and make sure But on all the data that you're given right here, Dale, on the Mm -hmm. counties and the Marcus and Millichep and all of that stuff, there's still a lot of economics and a lot of things that go into it. And that's what we identify uh, and use that data, Mm -hmm. that risk-based analysis to see not even just if a project makes or a property makes sense, but will it be, meet our criteria from a return structure.
0: Right. If you want an evidence-based investing booklet, Trends with Benefits, that is not a marketing piece. It is just facts that we talk about here in the demographics and various other t- trends. Give us a call, 612-424-8650 to request that. 612-424-8650. Or you can go to vincentcompaniesmn.com. Now Ryan, let's cover some bullets that we've put together that are DPRE and investment facts. So DPRE enables precise allocation to specific properties investors can visit. They can evaluate themselves. Um, Investors cannot do that with your conventional type of real estate exposure being REITs or mutual
1: funds. You can go visit the company that sold it to you and is making commission on you. Yeah, that's that's about it. You can go visit their real estate offices. (laughs)
0: Exactly. So again, bullet two, DPR is not a REIT. DPRE is modeled after direct asset ownership. REITs are modeled after mutual funds. DPRE investors decide which specific properties serve their interests best. REIT fund managers make all the investment decisions. DPRE investors own actual real estate. REIT investors own shares in a company. REIT investors do not own any real estate. DPRE values are non-correlated with the stock market. REIT shares values tend to have a high correlation with stock market share values. Talk about, you know, that one's a big one for people. That non-correlation because that's truly what they really want when they are thinking
1: they want to diversify, right? Well, do you know? I mean, REITs. Can hold other things outside of real estate. REITs can hold mortgage-backed securities. They can. What mortgage-backed securities are derivatives. Mm-hmm. If anybody doesn't know what a derivative is, read the book or watch the movie. If you want to have lazy eyes and not read, uh, uh, I'm drawing uh, the Big Short. Yeah, the Big Short from 2008 it talks about mortgage-backed securities and how it blew up the financial crisis. And now you've got REITs speculating on mortgage markets.
0: You're right. Uh- DPRE investors can share individually in depreciation.
1: REIT investors, they don't, right? Right. Well, and then also you've got to factor in if you own a a real estate mutual fund too, depending on when assets are bought and sold, you might have a tax implication from something that was bought prior to you buying into the fund, right? Mm -hmm. There's different tax implications on mutual funds and things and and REITs. And so you have to look at those, in my opinion, um, to see where your true return is.
0: So investors resolve the return risk paradox with risk management methods in DPRE, including due diligence. Again, so the thing is, is versus a REIT saying, well, just invest in this. This is great diversification. And it's quote unquote real estate, which it's, you don't own any real estate. What we like to do is be able to educate people on exactly what types of properties are are out there, available. Why does a maybe senior living community not fit their specific needs like a maybe an apartment building would, or maybe it's because of the time period that they want to hold or don't want to hold. So it can have those kinds of effects. You can, you can look at actual asset allocation. So it's, it really is the solution Don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, the, it really truly is non-correlated. So that's, beautiful for adding diversification and many people think broad allocation and diversification are the same thing and they're not they address two different kinds of risk and the methods are different and so it's just there's so much to it allocation and diversification they coexist their reconciliation spawns the idea of thoughtful allocation and that's really what we look to do for investors is to help them have thoughtful allocation and diversification to hard assets and not just paper assets. So in our opinion, DPRE investments in multifamily real estate properties and senior living communities located in the suburban areas surrounding the twin cities can serve investors thoughtful allocation process and objective. This is especially true for DPRE investment properties in the sub-institutional, that mid-range size, because they afford economies of scale that complement that neighboring architecture, and they serve most residents better than the alternatives. Ryan? Yes, Dale. Any final thoughts on Part 2?
1: Part 2. I would say go back and listen to Part 1. If you didn't, or I will give some of the statistics again quickly here because sometimes you got to hear it a few times. Rents increased 6% last year in Minnesota. They're expected 5.7% increase in rents this year. Marcus and Millichap slated Minneapolis and Minnesota in particular as the tightest vacancy rates across the nation, running at about 2.5% vacancy. We're seeing that firsthand across apartment buildings. Senior living is demographically driven, not economically driven. These are all important factors. Due diligence, transparency, understanding, risks, reward potentials, those sorts of things are all part of the process.
0: Learn more about Vincent Companies and the Trends with Benefits podcast at vincentre.com or trendswithbenefitspodcast.com. You can also give us a call at 612-424-8650 or submit questions at info at vincentre.com, and we really look forward to meeting you soon.